All right, uh, if you would, open your copy of God's Word to Psalm 1, to Psalm 1. And this morning, I, I want to share with you on this New Year's Day a, uh, uh, a message that, that I have put like it's just special for this year, but in reality, it's for every year and for every day. And that is, how do we experience God's blessings? You know, there's a number of Bible passages that contain promises within them. And one of the promises that we often overlook that we shouldn't are Bible passages that talks about God's blessing, how it is that we are to be blessed. And the Psalms are full of passages about what it means to be blessed. And so this morning, this first of 2023... Right? we got to get used to writing it and saying it. Um, this, this first of the year, I want to share with you a message that's a reminder about how it is that we experience God's blessing this year and every year from Psalm 1. Psalm 1 uh, is a, a great passage. It, it opens the Psalms. It shares with us so many truths and wisdom, so many times of uh, uh, the, the Psalms are amazing for the emotional struggle, right? We can find ourselves at any season with the psalmist. No matter if it's high or low, we can find times of mourning, times of discomfort, times of, of pleasure, times of praise, times of blessing all throughout the Psalms. And yet the doorkeeper to the book of Psalms is Psalm 1. And it really serves in many ways as a way to measure our life, to measure our life. And there's lots of ways that we measure. It's the first of the year. Perhaps you got that uh, nasty, awful fabric tape measure out. You know, the one that measures your body. <laughs> when I was growing up, we still have, in my grandparents' house, they've, they've lived there since my, uh, since my father was a child, um, there is one door jam in a bedroom that has marks on it, and, uh, and it's pretty precious. It's got marks from my father as he was growing. It's got marks from my aunt as she was growing, and it's got marks from me um, as I was growing. And, and so that was a, a way that we were measured. But there's lots of ways that we can measure the external. We can, we can take measuring tapes. We can look at bank accounts. We can look at, uh, at our calendars. But it's much harder to measure the spiritual. It's much harder to measure, are we living in a way that glorifies God? Are we living, is our, the motivation of our heart, is the desire of all that we do aimed to please God? And Psalm 1 is a fantastic psalm for doing that. And, and I want to share with you this morning from Psalm 1 in, in maybe in a little different way than you've thought about Psalm 1. Because Psalm 1 is not that these things automatically come. Psalm 1 is, a, is a, a, a psalm about sanctification, about striving for the things of God. About how we intentionally seek to strive for the things of God. And when we seek to strive for the things of God, God's blessing comes as a reward. So we're not guaranteed these things. We are to do these things. 
And Psalm 1 is really important for understanding this when we understand the nature and the purpose and the composition of the book of Psalms. And so you might not know this, but the, the, the book of Psalms, the, the collection of the Psalms that we have, is very interesting in its, in its collection and use in, throughout church history and, and through the history of Israel uh, because it contains in it, every psalm is, is written by a different individual, sometimes a couple of individuals, and they're from all kinds of different places and positions. So uh, the most famous psalmist that we're familiar with is who? King David. King David wrote a number of, of psalms and sayings and poetry that was then put to music and, and used. But there's a number of other individuals. There's psalms of Moses that are in here. There are psalms of different priests that are in here. There's a number of unnamed psalms that we don't know. And so the question is, how did they do this? Because this is very different than the other books of the Bible, how they're put together, isn't it? Well, here's how the psalms came to be. These poetry, these different things, they weren't unknown to Israel. They just hadn't been collected like this. If you remember just briefly the, the history of Israel, uh, God calls Abraham, right? And um, God blesses Abraham. He has the 12 tribes. They end up as slaves in Egypt. God delivers them through Moses. That's the book of Exodus. And then they come into the land. They go to the mount. God gives them the law. He eventually, after 40 years, because they disobey, they get back into the land. Joshua helps them conquer it. They come in. They have their own kingdom. They have their own nation. Everything looks good. They start with judges. They really want a king. God grants and allows a king. They have a bad king, a good king, and crazy kings. Right? And they continue to disobey God and continue to disobey God. And God sends prophet after prophet after prophet to call them back to himself, and they continue to disobey God, and, and things go from bad to worse, to the point that God allows his people in the kingdom that he has given them to be conquered. And they are taken off, and they are taken into a new land, a land where they serve foreign gods and a foreign king, right? So this is like the time of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, Okay? And so this is, the, the, they're, they're, they're away from the land. God's judgment has come upon them. And then God does something incredible. God allows Cyrus, the king of Assyria, to, to, to allow his people to return back. And so they come back to the land. And as they come back to the land, there is a spiritual restoration and a, and a, and a fervency of spiritual restoration as they come back to the land. These, these would be the books of Nehemiah and Ezra. They come back, they build, there's a, there's a spiritual revival, they get the book out, they read the book of the law before the people. Like In that era, as they're coming back, they took all of these poetry and songs and instructions and they wrote some also that they had had throughout their history and they put them together in a hymnal the psalms and so when we think about the context of how the psalms were put together psalm one begins to make a whole lot of sense 
They're coming back to the land after experiencing the judgment of God for departing from his ways. And so Psalm 1 then starts this whole hymnal that they have to sing about God. And they they integrate these psalms into their worship. And there's particular psalms that they use at particular festivals and in different ways. But, But Psalm 1 is the gatekeeper to the rest of the book of Psalms to remind them that there is a way of the righteous and there is a way of the wicked. The way of the righteous is blessed by God and prospers. prospers. The way of the wicked is not so. Don't go the way of the wicked. You see that? And particularly at a time when they're, when they're coming together and they're coming into the land, this book is so helpful. And so Psalm 1, what I... What I was telling you, what I want you to think about when you, when you hear Psalm 1 today, and, and from continuing when you go on, is that Psalm 1 is not about automatic things that happen. Psalm 1 is about dedicating our hearts and our lives to the Lord, and in doing so, experiencing God's blessing. You see, because Psalm 1 doesn't work if you live the way of the wicked. Oh, it works, but it doesn't work the way that you want it to. You see, there's two paths that Psalm 1 presents, and you can walk one of those paths. So what's the path of blessing? How do we see the path of blessing? Uh, Look with me. Let me read Psalm 1 for us. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, who stands, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. See, there's two paths here, isn't there? There's two roads, if you would. The path of the righteous and the path of the wicked. This is a measurement for us. How do we know that we're on the the path of the righteous? How do we know that we're on the the path of those who are blessed? That's what I want to share with you today. I want to share with you four words, basically, that that show us the path of the blessed believer. The path of the one that, that we can measure ourselves and we can look at and we can look at things in our lives and say, Am I living in a way that will bring blessing and glory to God? Am I living in a way that is in a way that will, will, will bring fruit? Or have I begun to slip? And is the path that I'm going down one that will lead to destruction? Four words that I want to share with you. The first is this. The, the believer who is blessed, to experience God's blessing, we have to be separated. We have to be separated. Look at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor 
stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers. There's three things here that we should take note of. The, the first is this. The blessed believer, the one who experiences God's blessing, is one who doesn't believe like the wicked. He's one who doesn't believe like the wicked. He walks not in the counsel, in the wisdom of the wicked. He doesn't listen to the counsel or the, the invitations to evil. His, his hearing and his wisdom comes from God's word, not from man. The counsel of the wicked is the counsel of the world. If you take today and you ask what are the most popular thoughts and ideas and theories in our society, you by and large will find that they are against the clear and simple teaching of God's Word, aren't they? The things that are popular and that are accepted are by and large against the things of God's Word. And so as a believer, we must live separated from that wisdom. We must not be held captive to the, to the vain philosophies of the world, to the godless things of the world. The counsel of the wicked denies that Scripture is sufficient. It denies that Scripture has the answers. The counsel of the wicked exalts the pride of man and takes away the glory of God. The counsel of the wicked denies or minimizes the need for Christ in an individual's life. Instead, it, it says that the things that, that hinder us are, are things such as uh, not having the right education, economic, not having economic mobility. Where the Bible says that our greatest need is Christ. The counsel of the world denies God's morals absolutes. It denies that there is any true truth. It says that truth is just whatever you want truth to be. It's antithetical to the word of God. That, that there is a sovereign creator God who is over all things that has given his law. And that it is truly true. You see that? The counsel of the wicked focuses on pleasure of oneself, of living an essential life rather than seeking to please God. You see, the philosophies of the worlds are what hinder our abilities to live for Christ so often. The things that are popular, the things that are taught, from the smallest level to the highest level, by and large, you have to realize that, that we live in a world that the wisdom of the world is, is different and opposed to the wisdom of God. Do you realize that? The man who's blessed believes different. He doesn't believe the wisdom of the world. He comes to these philosophies and these vain ideas and he realizes that that is not what scripture says he lives instead for the law of the lord on which he delights and meditates day and night so that he can see the vain and empty philosophies of man and realize that that is not true he doesn't believe like the wicked and secondly he doesn't behave like the wicked. 
says, nor does he stand in the way of sinners. Nor does he stand in the way of sinners. In other words, he doesn't stand with the sinners. You see, here's the reality of it. Here's why the, the philosophies of the world are, are so dangerous. Because philosophies carry with them actions. And so if we begin to believe the things that the world believes, we will very soon begin to justify and act the way that the world acts. Do you see that? If we believe the lies of sensuality, we will live lives of sexual promiscuity. If we believe the lies of, royal, of moral relativism, we will live lives that abuse the weakest and the poorest. If we believe lies of things such as critical race theory, we will lead, it leads to lawlessness, it leads to racism, it leads to abuse. God's word has a way to deal with all of these things, but when we take the world's philosophy and we wholesale buy it, the actions will come out as well. We believe the lies of hedonism, that we're to live for pleasure. Whatever makes you happy, it leads to a broken and empty life. You see, all of these things are things that just because you're a believer... You're not necessarily not prone to. You see, these influences are all around us. And, and this is where the, the scriptures, this is where the psalm, and, and the way that it functions, Psalm 1, helps to remind us that, that if we, even if we are in Christ, we don't earn our salvation, but we live in such a way and seek to live in such a way to know the scriptures and obey the scriptures. And that brings great blessing. Not only does he not believe like the wicked, not only does he not behave like the wicked, but he also doesn't belong with the wicked. Look at the verse continues. Nor does he seat, sit in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't sit with those who scoff at the things of God. He doesn't find himself even uh, comfortable around ungodly actions and ungodly things because his delight and his discipline is on the things of God. He feels out of place. Once worldly philosophy is considered and acted out, it, it often then becomes in full acceptance and, and full defense. And the absurdity of ungodliness is all over in our culture. If our culture had a, a verse for 2022, it would be claiming to be wise, they became fools. And I'm afraid 2023 will be the same verse, and I'm afraid if it continues, a verse about God's judgment is what will follow. You see, for the godly person, they seek to know God's word. They seek to understand this. They don't believe the belief of the world. They don't act out the beliefs of the world. And they're not comfortable even amongst that wisdom and that. And so what does the world do to the godly man? Well, we see this more and more. Is that the more that we resist the culture, 
the more that we seek to redeem the culture, the more that we point out the errors in the beliefs and the philosophies, and absolutely the more that we point to Christ and the things of the Word of God, we get canceled in the culture. We're seeing that more and more today. We hear things like, we will be on the wrong side of history. Friends, history is the story of God. It's his story. If you stand with him, you'll never be on the wrong side of it. So how do we do this? How, uh, we have to be separated. And it begins, first of all, by acknowledging Christ as your Savior. By being separated from your own sins and your, your own intentions and your own actions that you've committed. By trusting in Him, by serving Christ, by following Him as your Savior and your Lord. By having the Spirit of God. You, you have to have that to begin to do these things. But what I want you to see and I want you to understand from Psalm 1 and from many of the Psalms and many of the passages in the Scripture is that there are individuals who are saved and are living lives that don't fully get the blessing that God intends because they're struggling and fighting God at the same time. And sometimes that, that line's really hard to tell. Is this a genuine believer or is it not? Uh, thank God I'm not the one that gets to make those calls. But the Bible is full of passages like Psalm 1 to encourage us to dedicate ourselves to the Lord, to not live like the world, to live separate that we can experience God's blessing. Psalm 1 should serve as a reminder for us that we are a fool if we think that we can live however we want according to the world, say a few nice things about Jesus, and everything's just going to go Remember what God did to his own people? They were conquered. They were judged. They were led into captivity. God didn't abandon them. He didn't cast them away. But he allowed them to reap what they had sowed. There are many a Christian who have learned uh, valuable lessons about reaping what they have sowed. Psalm 1 serves to inform us of this. We want to be the blessed man, the one on that path, the one that's separated. That's the first thing is be separated. The second is this, be captivated. Be captivated. How can we live in such a way that, that we're not tempted? I, think about this. This is kind of interesting, too. Think about the progression that's in Psalm 1-1. Um, the, the progression is very interesting. There's a downward spiral. They, they start by walking with... And then they slow down and they sit with, or, or they stand with, and then they, they stop and they sit with the wicked. How many individuals do you know that have claimed that they are a believer, and you watch in their life, and you watch this progression, that all of a sudden they begin to believe things that the Bible doesn't say, then they begin to do things the Bible doesn't say, and then before long they're sitting in such a way with those that don't acknowledge the Word of God, that have no Christian testimony whatsoever, that you can't tell them apart from the crowd. That's the progression that happens, isn't it? How do we keep from that? Well, first of all, we have to Know God's word. We have to seek to love and enjoy God's word. Look at verse 2. 
be captivated. His delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Do you remember when, when you first met your spouse? Do, do you remember? Did you, did you have a moment where it was like, you know, I really like that person. I, I remember. We, we had kind of known each other. And uh, Krista came and asked me about life's ultimate questions. It was a book that she was trying to find and not pay for, but she did ask me about life's ultimate questions. And so I, I said, well, let's go look. Like, I didn't have any alternative mo- ulterior motive. I was just like, well, let's go look and see if we, we can find it. And we spent the day together. And, uh, and, and I went back, and I still remember going, huh, I really like her. And then within a day or two, she had called, and we were up till like 2 in the morning talking, which for her meant she really liked me if she stayed up that late. <laughs> but do you remember those days? Those days when, like, they had no flaws and everything was perfect and you just felt all gushy and bubbly when you were around them? Were you captivated? Friends, we should be captivated by the Word of God. And the more we understand what God's word is, that it is his word spoken to us, holy, true, that it's given to us for a purpose, that we might be prepared to know how to live in godliness, that we might be prepared that we can walk a blessed life, that, 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 that we can resist the, the wisdom of the world, we can resist the, the actions of the world, and we can resist the scoffing and the mockery of God that the world does because we know God's word, because we have this great treasure of truth that should captivate us. This new year, as you are making uh, all kinds of resolutions, I know you are, even if you say you're not, would you within that just dedicate yourself to spending time every day in God's Word? Now, it's between you and Him how you want to do it. Maybe you want to do a, a read through the Bible in a year plan. That's fantastic. That's great. Maybe you just want to study and, and focus on certain things. That's great. I, I, I don't want to put a law up for you about what you do. I've got lots of recommendations of things that you could do. But do this. Make a point to spend time in God's Word every day. Every believer should, should spend some time in God's Word and in prayer every day. We should delight in the law of the Lord. We should desire to know the word of God. It's amazing throughout the scripture, the connection between God's word and blessing. There are over 63 passages that directly connect God's word, uh, obedience, and blessing. We should seek to desire God's word if we're going to be blessed So we're to be separated, we're to be captivated, we're also to be consistent. We're to be consistent. Verse 2 again, his delight is on the law of the Lord, on it he meditates day and night. Why does he seek to know the word of God? So that he can do the word of God. That's the whole point, that's that's what it is, is that the the blessed man, the, the individual that seeks to desire to know and to be blessed by God, the one who is blessed in his doing, James tells us it's that way is the one 
who does not believe what the world believes. He's the one that, that does not do what the world does because he doesn't believe that the outcome is, is right, because he doesn't believe it to begin with, and because he doesn't believe it and because he doesn't do it, then he doesn't sit in such a way that, it, that sin marks his life, and he's a scoffer of God and the people of God and the things of God. You see, all of those things happen because he has a knowledge and an understanding and a pattern in his life that's different from that of the world. We are to be a people who not only seek to know the Word of God, but to do the Word of God. Knowledge is fantastic. Knowledge is wonderful. But knowledge that doesn't apply itself into any kind of action is pointless and silly. There are many individuals who can quote passages of the Scripture who could whoop your tail at Bible trivia, and yet their lives are not marked by any true belief in the knowledge that they have of the Word of God. May it not be so of us, and for it is not so with the individual who lives a life that's blessed by God. We're to seek to know the Word of God, to do the Word of God. Again, so many passages in the, New, in the New Testament and the Old Testament connect blessing, the promise of blessing, with knowing and doing. Jesus says in Luke 28, Blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. Who hear it and keep it. Then they're blessed. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not keep them, will be like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Sorry, who hears these words and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Jesus says, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has more, more will be given. Whoever does not have, even what they think will be taken away from them. Over 60 passages about the word of God, obedience to it, and blessing desire as you spend and, and this is why i don't want to set a rule for you read 10 chapters a day of the bible that'd be fantastic but if you just read 10 chapters of the day of the bible to check it off and read 10 chapters of the day of the bible then it's really not doing a benefit i'd much rather you read one or two verses think about them meditate over them pray over them put them in your heart and put them in your life that's the way that we know the word that's the way that we apply the word so that we can live the word. So the first three words here, as we think about this, of what the blessed life is, we have to be separated from the world. We're separated in how we view and act. We have to be captivated by the word of God. And not only are we to be captivated by the word of God, but we are to be consistent in that we intake the word of God and we seek to understand the word of God in a way that we can apply the word of God. And the last uh, word here that I want to share about the, the path of the blessed person, the blessed man, is this. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful to those three things. If we're faithful to those three things, this is the promise that verse 3 contains. And it's a promise that's conditional upon the first two verses. That's what I want you to see. Verse 3. He is like a tree 
planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's the goal that we would like, isn't it? That, 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 that we would be like that tree, that we would experience God's blessing, that as, as we go and we seek to do things, God is with us and, and blesses us and directs us and we're impactful for the kingdom of God and, and that our lives matter. We, we all want those things, right? Those things don't just happen. You can... Trust in Jesus and be a lazy, slothful purpose person that does nothing for the kingdom of God. I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. Christ doesn't want that. Think about all the passages in the New Testament about fruit, bear fruit, produce fruit, be fruitful. All of these passages about the, that salvation is to change not only what we believe, but what we do and how we live. And it's a miserable life. To trust Christ and not actively live for him. It is a miserable life. Some of you have lived periods of that and can testify to it. How do we live in a way that we experience God's blessing? We, we do these things. We're separated, we're captivated, we're consistent in with what the Bible says, and then last, we're faithful. We keep on keeping on keep it on. We're faithful to these things. We're predictable in these things. And what you will see is that growth will occur. Everyone wants growth, but they want it immediately, right? Okay? Cole is ready for his growth spurt. He's 13. We know it's coming, don't we, buddy? He, he measures himself back to, back to back to his mom just about every day to see if he's passed her yet. He has a low standard, but it's okay. But he does, and he's almost there. And, and what will happen is, is he's at that age, right, where, where boys will have like a two-inch summer. Have you ever seen that? Um, where just all of a sudden over the summer, it's like, whoa, what happened? And, and many of you young people, I've been looking at, at some photos of, of the, the youth and my kids, and it's just amazing in a couple of years how much they have changed. But the reality of it is, is that most of the time, growth doesn't happen rapidly. Growth happens slowly and progressively. And God's blessing will come to you as you put these disciplines in your life, as you establish these things in your life, as you're faithful. Look at this verse. Just think about the poetry that's here that's just beautiful. That's why we love the Psalms. They're written so beautifully, and it's, the language is so full and rich. Think about this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. His position, he's by the river. He's close to that which gives life. When we put these other things in our life, we're close to that which gives life, to God himself. His, his permanence, he's planted. He's not wandering around. He is there and he's planted and he's drawing from the, the source of life. He's productive. He brings forth fruit. Because what is happening and where he is, it, it is successful and fruitful. 
He's predictable in its season. It's not a tree that just randomly puts out fruit at weird times. It's a tree that through the seasons and the natural cycle and, and doing the thing that it should do in the place that it does, that, that, that it produces fruit as it should. Think of that verse just off the top of my head from Ephesians chapter 2. That great passage that says, For we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God, being rich in his grace and mercy, chose us, according to Christ Jesus, so that we would walk in good works that he appointed beforehand. God's desire is, is for, for fruit, is for fruitfulness, for good works, if we're in Christ. His permanence, his leaf shall not fade. He will continue to produce because he's close to the, to the source, because he's planted, because of all of these things in his life, his prosperity, whatever he does, it will prosper. Now, this isn't a, a name it and claim it passage. This isn't a, a get rich quick scheme. This isn't if you trust in Jesus, everything's going to be butterflies and, and roses, okay? The reality of it is, is that we live in a world of sin and it's tough and it's hard. But let me tell you something you don't know how tough and hard it would be without Christ. And we can endure and go through anything according to his promises if we know that we are in him. And that's what this verse is about. And the reality of it is, is that even in the most difficult situations, individuals who live according to the principles of the word of God find successful lives. Now, they might be persecuted, they might be shunned by the world, but what you'll find is an individual who lives with joy, an individual who the things that matter the most in their life, that should matter the most, matter the most, their priorities are right, and they are a blessed individual even in difficulty. That's what it means to be blessed. It doesn't mean that you're going to get your unicorn. What it means is that you are going to have a fulfillment and a joy and a, a pleasure from God himself that couldn't be reduplicated from anything else. That in trials, in difficulties, you will have hope, you will have support, you will have comfort. Isn't this good? This is my favorite psalm. And when we understand it in the context of what it is, there are two paths. Friends, each of you, there are two paths. And some of you have been going down the wrong path. And if you've been going down the wrong path, I want to tell you there is hope to get on the right path. That's why we have warning passages in the New Testament. Some warning passages are for unbelievers. If you don't come to Christ and you don't believe in Christ, then this is what awaits for you. But there are also warning passages in the New Testament and in the Old Testament that are for believers, for people who in their heart of hearts, they know that they love God. They know that they've trusted Christ. They know that they've believed in the gospel, but their lives have not done what they want it to do. They've made choices. They've believed the lies. They've carried out the actions. They've even sat with the scoffers. Friends, the grace of God is such that it is so great that if you ask him to forgive, he will forgive. Christ covers all sins if we trust in him. But make it a point today. 
that instead of, instead of this cycle of brokenness, instead of this cycle of, 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 of sinfulness, this, this cycle of getting to a low and, and coming back and forth and vacillating, that I want to walk this path. I want to live a life that's separated. I, I want to be captivated and in the Word of God and applying it to my life in such a way that, that I begin to live consistent with what the things of God are and that I want to live faithfully doing that over and over and over and over again, God would be at work in my life and his blessings would be upon me and that I would be a blessing to his kingdom. All of us have something in our life, have a, have a desire, have something that holds us back from this. Would we Again, this first of the year, looking at this psalm, I think in the way that this psalm is meant to hit us, dedicate ourselves to the ways of the Lord. Dedicate ourselves to the model of this man who is blessed, that we might experience God's blessing in 2023 as well. Pray with me.